Hello and happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to my Cancer Story podcast. We are into our fourth and final week of October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Up until now, we've had three amazing stories by three amazing individuals with their breast cancer journey. Today, we have a little bit different of a story. We will be meeting Whitney. She is the creator and founder of a wellness space. With a wellness space, she helps young individuals navigate their mother's cancer diagnosis through self-love, nutrition, and movement. She's a cancer advocate, a health and nutrition coach, as well as a yoga instructor for cancer recovery. You're going to hear Whitney tell both her mother and her grandmother's cancer story and how she turned loss into legacy. Without further ado, guys, we are going to head right into this episode. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for a few more announcements. Today, we have for our fourth week of October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we have Whitney with us, and uh, she is a cancer advocate, uh, health coach. Um, oh my gosh, you're also a yogi. You're a yoga instructor. <laughs> And um, she has a a kind of a unique story with us. Uh, She personally has not had or been diagnosed with cancer, but um, she's going to be telling a story for her mother and her grandmother. So welcome to my Cancer Story podcast, Whitney. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I think what you're doing is so important. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit about myself. Um, I help women who have a mother or a father. Typically mother is who's gravitating towards me since that's my story. Um, but I have, I help women who have a parent with cancer navigate their parents' cancer diagnosis and the whole process. And that can be anywhere from, you know, the beginning of the diagnosis to, um, you know, sometimes women don't find me until after their parent has, you know, left Earthside. So it, it varies with the women that I work with, but the story is all very similar. You know, we all have a, a special bond that you really, you can't, you can't explain it to anyone else unless you've went through that journey of having a parent with cancer or losing a parent with cancer. Mm-hmm. So I help them navigate that entire process and we do that all together And one of the things that we really focus on is how to do that without losing yourself, because sometimes you spend, you know, three years or more focusing solely on caregiving and taking care of your loved one, and then they're gone. And, you know, you don't remember the last time you did anything for yourself or how to be yourself anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's really important that we try to prepare for those moments. And so in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of what I've done from the life experience of that experiences that I've had with taking care of my mom and my grandma. Wow. What you're doing is, is so unique and so needed. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that a resource like you is out there and that they can you know, reach out for help for themselves as well as maybe for their loved one that they've been taking care of too. So I think what you're doing exactly. is, is incredible. That's why, I, mm-hmm. that's why I decided I needed to do that because when I was young, I didn't have any sort of resource, you know, hospice came and they had kind of like a social worker, but that was in the very end. Mm -hmm. And my cancer journey with my mom started when I was in elementary school and no, at no point in that time did somebody reach out to me and give me any kind of resource that could have helped me even understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. My mom was first diagnosed with skin cancer and I was definitely in an elementary school, but I'm not sure what grade, probably above fourth, I want to say. And she 
ever since I was younger, she always had this probably larger than a quarter size purple growth on her leg. And I remember oh. looking up at her leg as like a toddler, like, you know, you, you grab onto your mom's leg and you look up and, and yeah. you see your mom, but I always remember seeing this purple growth and like touching it and feeling it. And I come from this family where it's not that common to be very proactive about your wellness or really care about your preventative health. And so she just let that thing grow and grow and it was <laughs> gigantic, um, for a purple spot being on your leg, it was definitely much larger than a quarter and it was raised. And, and I never thought, you know, what is that? I just knew that it was always there. And then one day she sat me down and told me that, you know, she went to get it checked out and she had skin cancer, but you don't even know the magnitude of what cancer can mean Mm -hmm. when you're in elementary school, you just hear a word and you think pays. Okay. You know, what does that mean? And, so she had surgery and still, you know, through surgery, didn't really understand or grasp mm-hmm. the impact that that could have. And that was kind of where, where it began. And she was very, very fortunate that that growth on her thigh was easily removed through surgery. They took mm-hmm. out about half of her thigh and her thigh was yeah. curved for the rest of her life. It never oh grew back in like completely to make a normal thigh shape, but She was so fortunate she didn't need radiation. She didn't need chemo. They just took out giant margins from her thigh and and it was fine. And so that was kind of like my preview into cancer. But it was such a small, small thing that, you know, she didn't need all of the treatments that a lot of people who are diagnosed with cancer need. So I Mm -hmm. still at that moment didn't understand, you know, could she need chemo? I didn't even know what that was. I didn't understand where it could have went. She was so fortunate. Yeah. So that's kind of where, you know, I thought next time she was diagnosed with cancer, it would be just like the first time, but yeah. it was so much different. Yeah. Yeah. When she was, um, I know, I know you're saying like maybe like fourth grade, like it, as a, as a kid, like you just don't know what much means anyway, because you, Exactly. <laughs> your life experience is like this much. So you're like, cancer, yeah. I don't really know what cancer is. Skin cancer, okay. It's she's still my mom. She's still my mom. Yeah. She yeah. had surgery. Okay. She We're had these like normal. drain yeah. things hanging out of her. Yeah. And okay, can I go to my friend's house? Like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, that's just like next level that it started so young. But you still like, you just weren't able to wrap your, your mind around it quite yet. Exactly. So and long- now that I look back, I think. Gosh, I was so inconsiderate, but I, well, I there's no know. way I could have known, you no. know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, you're not inconsiderate. You're just being a kid. Exactly. Exactly. But it, it's just, you know, you think back all the things you wish you would have did differently mm-hmm. had you had somebody like, you know, myself who had been yeah. through it to say, you know, hey, you may want to treasure this moment or you may want to do X, Y, or Z. But, you know, that, that all, all those thoughts came, came much later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my mom had that skin cancer, she had her surgery and she was fine, you know, no harm, no foul. Her leg looked different and I didn't think much of it. Yeah. You know, fast forward to, I believe I was 15 when her next diagnosis happened and she was diagnosed with breast cancer and still at that time, okay, you know, we did, we did this before. I didn't think it would be anything. And 
she wanted to, I think her first experience also tainted the reality of what a breast cancer diagnosis could mean for her. So, you know, she had such an quote unquote easy time with her skin cancer that she probably thought she would have such, you know, breast cancer might be a breeze as well. I don't really know if that's what she was thinking, but I think from how she handled her first breast cancer diagnosis that she really didn't understand the magnitude just as much as I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So she opted for a lumpectomy with no radiation and no chemo. Was that on the table? Sorry to interrupt you. Was that on the table or she just chose not to do the radiation and the chemo? I am unsure. Oh, okay. Um, at, At that point I was still, you know, a young teenager and I was unsure, but you know, she, she wanted to change her diet and, you know, she didn't think it was anything she needed to worry about too much. It, Mm -hmm. it seemed like, and she could have just been playing the mom card for me and, you know, making sure that I wasn't worried. And so that's what she opted to do is just have a lumpectomy and, you know, I think, and see what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of the first mistake. Um, And I really, truly believe that that stemmed from not having to have any other treatment when she had her first diagnosis. And so she did that. And within a year or so, it had spread to the other um, breast and, or no, it had spread into the the first breast born. And so then she opted to have a mastectomy, which is great. I thought that was probably the best choice. And that was quite an interesting um, experience for us. You know, um, I'm not her only daughter, um, but I was the only one that lived with her at the time. But I was still a selfish teenager <laughs> and I didn't understand what that could mean. And that's kind of an ongoing theme in my entire story with managing and dealing with her cancer was not understanding. I'd never known anyone that had had cancer in my lifetime. And I had never known, honestly, really anyone to pass away in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So it was very, I'm, I'm kind of just like living this life with this rose colored glasses on and these things are happening, but I'm, I'm not understanding. And no one is explaining to me as a teenager, what, what that can really mean. Yeah. Especially as a teenager, you're already living life. So um, adventurous in a way that you think, you know, you're unstoppable and nothing yeah. can get you, but you know, you're just out there doing whatever you want as, as a teen and you aren't thinking that anything bad can happen to you. So of course you're not thinking that anything bad can happen mm-hmm. to your parent. Yeah. So it, it was just this running theme of nobody really sitting me down and saying, you know, this is bad and you know, she could die. That, that was not said to me for a very, very, very long time. almost probably until the last two years. Wow. And I think maybe people thought, oh, it's implied, but it really, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't (laughs) just assume that somebody knows something and that's, it's kind of like an unknowing ignorance that you have, like not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, yeah, you're, you're a teenager. You always think everything's yeah. going to be okay, yeah, and she's yeah. your mom, and you you're going to live forever. Your parents are going to live forever. It's gonna exactly, be great. <laughs> yeah. exactly. You don't think they're not going to be there when you get married or when yeah. you have the first child. Like you never think about that, mm-hmm. but it's something that 
you know, I talk with many of the women that I work with, it's not bad to think about those things. It doesn't make you a bad person. You're not wishing harm ab- upon your mother at all. You're, you're thinking, you know, this could happen. So how can I make every second count? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remind women, you know, when you're together, take, take pictures because I didn't do that much. And it was a different time, you know, like yeah. cell phones weren't as nice <laughs> as yeah. they were. And, you know, we were still phones. like... I think when I was 21 and we were going to take pictures in the club, we were taking like our digital cameras with us. Like we weren't using our phones. Yeah, I totally had different times. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So it it wasn't like, you know, now taking a picture is more on our mind, but also Mm -hmm. when you're so wrapped up in the caregiving and the medical, you're not thinking about taking those pictures or... Um, getting birthday cards for your future grandchildren or, or anything like that. But yeah. that's really things that we, that we talk about. And um, oftentimes they'll say, you know, I would have never thought to take those pictures, but thank you so much for, for telling me because now I have them. And sometimes I'll notice what happens. And I don't know if you've heard this a lot from the people that you have spoke with, but when you're on your way to to you know finish up your time on earth you kind of have this like last rally and you can be doing really really down in the dumps you're feeling horrible but something in your body and your mind changes and like you have this like week or so period of this like last rally this last yeah. hurrah and a lot of people in your family think oh they're doing great yeah. they're going to be fine they're doing great but i know because of the people that i've worked with and how many times i've seen this happen when that's happening. And that's usually when I, I don't say to them, you know, this is the last rally, Mm -hmm. but I will say, you know, you should, you know, have her sign cards and have her, you know, take a picture of you guys holding hands, or there's also these really cool molds that you can get where you put your hands in holding and then you like pull it out and it's like a porcelain mold. Yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. And so there's a lot of really cool things like that, that you can do that are bonding experience that feels special that you just have forever. Mm -hmm. And it's usually during that period that I can say, I know when it's happening and I tell them, you know, you should do this. So you should do this and just give them a list of things that they can do Mm -hmm. to bond with their loved one. And then unfortunately, usually the next week or two, things tend to go downward um, and, and they need to start you know, they're unable to do those things. So I, mm-hmm. it, I feel like it's very much my job to make sure that they have those special moments and, and that they take the time to, to have things that they can have forever and show their kids because I didn't do that. Yeah. You know, nobody did that for me. And there are a lot of things that I wish that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one hospice nurse, um, who was really great. And she took, um, she had my mom writing cards for my sister and I, you know, just like what she was thankful for about us and what she loved about us. And then my mom had passed away before she could finish them. And so the hospice nurse came over to my sister's house and said, do you have an old card from your mom? And she was like, yeah, like why? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, that's a strange request. Yeah. And she said, can I just borrow it? And then she went and typed up the note. And then she went and got a photocopy of the love mom part on my sister's card. And she signed these printouts that we both have 
with my mom's actual signature, even though she had already passed. And it was just such a special gift. And once that happened, I realized, you know, I just need this like ongoing list of all the things that people could do in order to have that special moment because, you know, she had passed away, but I still had this card that was given to me days later and it felt like she was still there. And it was just a really beautiful moment. And there's so many things like that, that you can do to just keep her living, you know? And I learned, I learned a lot, especially, you know, I was 22 when she passed away and, you know, I hadn't gotten married yet. I didn't have kids. I was still, you know, very much a young woman and, you know, growing into myself. And so I had to get married without her there. And so we figured out ways to honor her and make it feel like she was there with us. And there's just a lot that can get forgotten unless you have someone there helping you through. And, and you really start to feel lost with, without that guidance. And so it's really important to know you're not the only one that's going through this. You know, there are plenty of women out there who have lost a parent or who have a parent with a metastatic um, disease who will be fighting it for years to come. And one of the things that I teach those women is it's not always, you know, a lot of times we hear cancer and we think, this is the last, this is it, you know, my parent has cancer, they're going to die, or they immediately go into a really negative place. But I don't know if you've seen in the cancer community, a lot of the messaging now is cancer can be a very manageable disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people manage it like a like diabetes, or say someone who needs to go in and get dialysis, dialysis all the time, Mm -hmm. you may be on a very low dose of chemo for the rest of your life but your life may be 20, 20 plus years now yeah. because of where med- medicine is at. Yeah. And so sometimes we need to, we need help getting ourselves out of the mindset that, oh, my parent has cancer, they're going to die. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't always mean the truth. Yeah. So we need help, you know, just seeing the light and knowing that it can be manageable. Yeah. Cancer, definitely like the word is flipping scary. And it's just like, it's it's just all of a sudden like this exclamation point or this period cancer, boom. And Mm -hmm. you make a really good point that there is just so many degrees, so many, it's, it's a full spectrum of what it can mean. It can mean like something like my experience where they found it on my thyroid and we pulled it out and my Mm -hmm. blood work looks really good. So, or it could be, you know, like you're in stage four lymphoma or, you know, like it doesn't have to be a death sentence, like you're saying. It really doesn't. And I think you educating people on that is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. My best friend's mother, who basically turned into like a mother of mine, you know, I've known this this family for over 15 years. And just over the past few years, she was diagnosed um, with thyroid cancer. And mm-hmm. it really, really was hard for me for a moment, but you know, they say, you know, you never want to get cancer, but that's the, you know, that's the one you want to get. I'm sure you've heard that a million times and it probably is infuriating to you because it's like, you you just never want to get it. But it was, it was really eye-opening to me because, you know, you do have that moment of, okay, this is it. Like, this is it. What are we going to do? But it's so important to know that just because can't, somebody has cancer doesn't mean they're going to die and you should never treat them mm-hmm. like they're going to die just because yeah. they have cancer because everybody can tell that that's how they're being treated. Yeah. And it doesn't feel well. No. 
<laughs> yeah, like, it's weird. I like know from people, experience. People looked at me. Yeah, I kept it pretty, pretty under wraps for a while. And people like when they found out, it was just like this really big look of pity, like, like I was going to die. I was like, don't look at me like that. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. And it's, it's definitely, it's, it's kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a unique experience um, to have those reactions from people. With your friend's mom being diagnosed with thyroid cancer, did, did a lot of emotions come back? Was it almost like a, a, for lack of a better term, PTSD, like for, you know, a whole bunch of emotions coming back from when your mother passed from cancer? I think initially, you know, for maybe a week, there was definitely a lot of uh uh-oh emotions, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't that educated on thyroid cancer at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I made sure that I, that I got as educated as I possibly could on that. And, And then I really felt much better about it. And, you know, they were, they're here in the same city as I am. And so it, it was okay. You know, I was there after her surgery, I believe, or prior to her surgery or both. I can't remember it now. It's all kind of a blur. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're all very close and we're like family. And it felt good to be in a more mature headspace when that was happening versus your younger 20s, which I think yeah. is much harder. And um, for the most part, all of their their daughters are not necessarily that young. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, we were all in a better place and we were all here together. So it worked yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, of education, you know, getting educated on that, that's one of the things that I really work with. The women that I work with is, you know, I don't, I'm sure you felt this way. I don't know if you work in the medical field at all, but when you oh, get diagnosed with cancer, yeah. you go in and people, it's like people are speaking a different language to yeah. you in the hospital. You're yeah. like, I need what? What if are you, you talking you don't know about? medical terminology, you're totally lost. I yeah. luckily have like a sports medicine background. So I was like, okay, I know what you're saying. Makes <laughs> sense. But yeah, like the average person just doesn't know. And it's kind of all a blur. Like, yeah, because you're so trying to digest what's even yeah. happening. Yeah. And then they're like, we're going to do X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. And you're like, mm-hmm. say what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so one of the first things I do when I'm working with women who are who parents just have that diagnosis or they're early on in it is I have a free resource guide that's just here, are all the medical terms under the sun uh-huh. you could possibly need. Print this out. Take it with you you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about it on the ride home, make sure you really understand because a lot of times you're just nodding and saying, okay. And mm-hmm. then you get in the car and you're like, well, I guess they're going to do this, but I don't know why. And I don't really know what that means. Yeah. So yeah. it it can be very intimidating and mm-hmm. it's important that we work with someone to educate, educate you and your family on what's happening. And whether that's a cancer coach, which I know you've had some on your podcast mm-hmm. before, or, something like a patient advocate, which Mm -hmm. some hospitals have, not all of them. I wish that they all did. Yeah. (laughs) But it's necessary. I think it's really important that we educate ourselves to make sure that we can advocate for ourselves and our family, because sometimes they're just going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And there's, unfortunately, there's some not so great doctors out there, but there are some really good doctors out there. I myself am a high risk woman because my mother had breast cancer. My grandmother passed away from breast cancer. And so I'm considered high risk. So I have a lot of experience just being a 33 year old woman with Mm -hmm. going and getting my breast checked out way more than most people who are in their late twenties. 
Yeah. And, and I had to get really educated, you know, mm-hmm. I had to make sure I knew what they were talking about. And I went and did, um, cancer genetic counseling to really find out what my risks were because I can change my lifestyle. I can change my level of activity. I can change what I'm eating. I can change my mindset, but I can't change my genetics. Mm -hmm. And it was really important to me to know what is my risk factor? You know, am I going to be the third generation with this diagnosis? And if it's very likely, I have to do everything in my power to prevent it. And I found out originally that I had a 35% risk factor, which if you're unaware of how they, they do that, um, the scale basically only goes up to like 40 or 45, oh, I believe. Shit. Oh God. Yeah. I was so, thinking hundred point scale. I was like, okay. Oh. Yeah. That, that's I, what I thought too. I and they had to make too. sure that they corrected me. Yeah. Um, and so the scale actually, I don't know why it's like that. Yeah. It's very uh, counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, makes you feel like you need to celebrate when you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was considered very high risk. And in my late 20s, they, my um, genetics counselor suggested that I get on a drug called tamoxifen, okay. um, which is typically di- um, given to women who are high risk for breast cancer or who have had breast cancer and it's like a chemo prevention drug. So it's, it's doing everything it can to help prevent you from getting cancer. But in the process, it's going to kick you into menopause, make you feel all sorts of hormonal ways. (laughs) And it's just going to be this drug that you take for the rest of your life. Yeah. I was in my twenties. I hadn't even thought about having children yet. And had I decided to take this drug, I would have, you know, had to freeze my eggs and go into menopause as a 20 something year old. And I was like, okay, like I really need to get educated on this. Like, is this really what I want for me? How are my risks really what they're saying they are? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is why it's so important to get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. So I went to a different genetics counselor in a different state. And I think they do have a little bit better, um, better knowledge and equipment and everything in this state compared to where I was before. Um, I was in Utah prior and Mm -hmm. now I'm in uh, Southern California. So I got a second opinion once I got here and they said my risk was only 30 and you think, well, 30 and 35, that doesn't sound much different, but they Mm -hmm. said it's actually dramatically different and they would not recommend that I get on the tamoxifen. So that was really, really eye-opening to me, and it just shows how important it is. Like, even if you really like your doctor, just mm-hmm. get a second opinion. You know, get a second, get a third opinion if you can, because mm-hmm. whether you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis or anything else, your treatment options, there could be other things out there for you that are going to be way more comfortable for your lifestyle and, you know, just just living better in general. So I was so relieved when I got that and I continue to do my research to make sure it's still the right decision. And, mm-hmm. and every year, you know, I'm still very young, but every year I get a breast ultrasound and a mammogram. And, you know, there've been years when I've had scares and I've had to get biopsies, yeah. which no one this young should have to be worrying about. But if I'm not, who is? Yeah it's really important to understand your risks and get as educated as possible. And if you are high risk, 
get educated on learning how to live a preventative lifestyle. Because again, you can't control your genetics, but you can control so many other things that, you know, Mm -hmm. attribute to your cancer risks and you can Mm -hmm. change how you're living. Yeah. And so that's something that I really preach because I am, it's always in the back of my head. You know, it's always something that I'm going to have to worry about because I do have those, um, genetics. And I also have other mutations that are not, I don't have the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, but I do have other uh, mutations that they worry may lead to cancer at some point. So mm-hmm. it's something that I'm always talking about and I'm always worrying about, but I'd rather worry and be proactive than just sit and worry and sit sleep back. it under the rug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you, you let me tell you, that is something that is not in my blood. From I'm from the beginning of this, we were talking about my mom and her, you know, purple growth on her leg that she had practically her entire life. Yeah. And that's how my family is. Yeah. I come from a very large family. My grandmother had 15 children, I believe, 14 or 15. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, fertile myrtle. All right. I know, I know, I know. So um, you know, but all of them, every woman in that every woman in that family is you know, we just, we'll just sweep everything under the rug until it comes boiling over. And so it is like every, every year I know I have to go do these checkups. I know I need to stay on top of it, but sometimes it is like fighting tooth and nail with something inside of me. (laughs) No, you're fine. You're fine. And you need this year. You're fine. You're young. But Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the year I don't, that'll be the year. (laughs) Murphy's law. That's totally exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. Every time. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you, you spoke on the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene mutation. Mm-hmm. Is that, did, you, did both your mother and your grandmother have that, that genetic mutation or that expression? Do you know? So no, I yeah. don't know that yeah. that goes more into the sweeping everything under the rug. Okay. <laughs> so with my mom, they didn't do any, um, they didn't test for the BRCA genes, but we do mm. know that hers, um, if I remember correctly, is non-hormone receptive. Okay. So um, that's that's huge. So that does give me some information there to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, however, with my grandmother, <laughs> oh, oh, my my genes. Let me just tell you. Um, so you know, as my mom was um, going through the hardest part of her cancer, and you know, she had been at home on hospice and you know, we're working through all of that. It had metastasized through her lungs, her brain, her bones. And, and this was all through the holiday season that we, you know, learned that had gotten this far. And apparently while this was happening, my grandmother had breast cancer and she didn't tell anyone. She didn't want to get it checked out. She didn't want to go to the doctor. So, you know, she had this huge family of anyone who would have taken her, cared for her, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to be a burden. And I think she saw the, everything that her youngest daughter was going through mm-hmm. and she didn't want to go through that herself. And so she probably just had this mentality of if she didn't talk about it, it wouldn't be there. Yeah. And after my mom passed away about two years later, I believe, um, she, you know, contacted us all and she had had, by that point, point in time, the cancer was open, gaping wounds on her breasts. Oh my God. And so she let it, 
let it go and swept under the rug and swept under the rug until it oh physically God. was bursting out. Oh and so we didn't, nobody knew that she was in pain. Nobody knew that she was suffering. And she had this giant family, you know, of children that would have loved to help her and take care of her. And it was probably only a few weeks later that um, she passed away. And, and it's just, it's just very, very interesting. You know, I, my doctors always ask me, do you have other, other family members with a history of cancer? And I say, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> and it, 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 I, it I know shouldn't too. be funny. No, I know it, it shouldn't be funny, but it's just, oh. well, you don't really understand who I'm working with. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, seriously. <laughs> gonna have to hound your your whole extended family like all right seriously you, you gotta tell me <laughs> yeah it, oh yeah it, it's interesting um I also I have celiac disease and I always tell mm-hmm. them you know has anybody else gone checked out you know you may have these stomach issues or yeah. you know you may be bloated because you have celiac disease I have both the genes they got to come from somewhere yeah no nobody's nobody cares oh my <laughs> everybody gosh. wants to keep everybody wants to keep eating their wheat they don't care oh, if they feel man. bloated or sick they oh. want their cake I want the bread. I get it, but (laughs) it's comical. It's it's all I can do is laugh about it. (laughs) I know sometimes you just have to, but it's, it's interesting. I know like you're saying it's kind of like bread in your family to, you know, not address things and kind of just bury their heads in the sand. But I also think a lot of it is, it's kind of like almost like a a female trait to downplay things and not want to ask for help and not want to burden other people, family members, friends with their problems or illnesses or anything like that. Do you find that with like um, some of the clients, the the young women that you work with, with their families and everything like that, like having to work with them on that? Yeah, Absolutely. I will have, you know, I had a client recently who, (laughs) you know, she she was having some medical issues and her mom was on her way out and still, you know, to the very end, it was, you know, just, you know, don't worry about me, take care of yourself, you know, do this, do that, do that. And just could not accept, you know, true loving care from her daughter because she was still trying to just be the mom as much as she could and, you know, shelter her from everything, which is so beautiful that you know you could be in so much pain that you're still trying to do that but at the same time like we we as daughters we it's hard to get to a point where you are being the parent for your parent but Mm -hmm. we want to just as bad as you want to take care of us you know Mm -hmm. we want to love you and and it becomes this battle of each of you trying to sweep things under the rug and you're too concerned about the other that you're not really taking care yeah yeah it's just like kind of like a double negative like nobody's exactly yeah exactly so it it makes for some very you know the amount of times that we laugh in the calls that I take with my clients you wouldn't know that we're talking about what we're talking about because you have to find humor in it and the relationship that daughters have with their mothers is unlike any other relationship, whether you're close with them or whether you're distant with them. There's always this funny dynamic that you guys have this humor that only the two of you can understand. Yeah. And it's really interesting getting to know all these moms, these extended moms that, you know, I have that 
we all share this like funny humor of this mother daughter banter that only mothers and daughters get because it's just like a mother daughter banter situation. And so, you know, you could walk by my door and hear me talking to these clients and I'm just cracking up and you wouldn't realize that we're in here talking about such a serious conversation and sometimes even end of life. But it's important that you can find, you know, those moments that still, you know, you can find a release and laughter through. Yeah. It's, it sounds so cliche, but laughter really is the best medicine sometimes it, you know, it it can put you on a different level and almost reset you too, but it doesn't always have to be so serious sometimes. And the fact that you're able to have that relationship and be on that level with your clients and, and that they can have with their mothers or fathers is, is really incredible and, and, and kind of rare. So you're, you're also providing them an outlet that they can laugh and that, that they, they can um, almost work on healing as well. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I don't know if I said that eloquently enough, but I think, <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. It, it's really true. You know, we, we talk about what happens in the calls that I work with these women is, you know, we, we start off just, you know, shooting the shit and catching up. Mm-hmm. And then we go into, you know, well, tell me about your mother or father's cancer status, you know, what's going on with them. And, you know, we'll talk about the last week's doctor's appointments and, you know, anything they don't understand. We may break down some medical terminology or procedures or things that they're having. Mm-hmm. And that's just a nice release for them just to talk about it with someone who understands, someone who's not trying to sympathy them or feel mm-hmm. pity or or, or anything, just talk about it with someone who just straight gets it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, we'll talk about how that's making you feel and how you're handling it. And then the most important part of all of the calls with my clients is making sure that they're taking care of themselves. So af- at the end of every call, you know, we usually set three goals and one of them always, always, always is self-care you know, what are they doing for themselves? That can be anything from nutrition to movement to, you know, just taking a shower because sometimes that's, you know, that's one of the first thing that goes when you're taking care of someone is your self-care. And so I really do my best to hold them accountable to those three goals every week because, you know, they really can tell the difference when they are doing them versus when, you know, they let them fall by the wayside. And sometimes if you don't have that person, you know, helping you be held accountable, it's so easy to get lost in your caretaking. It's so easy to get lost in your loved one. And it's so easy to just avoidant behavior, whether that's scrolling on Instagram or, you know, TikTok or whatever you're doing, you know, binging Netflix, it's so easy to just avoid, avoid, avoid. And the one thing we should never be avoiding is taking care of ourselves because if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot adequately take care of that loved one. And they will be able to tell. Most people would be able to tell, but your mother will be able yeah. to tell. <laughs> she will know and yeah. she will she will she will call you out on it. <laughs> oh my god. That's so important. You know, like that you're you're providing um, your clients these tools that they might not um, actively know that they're mm-hmm. they're doing these mindless habits, scrolling through Instagram, watching Netflix, and not addressing, you know, themselves or 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 dealing with 
inner issues that they may be having. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because especially in this society now, whether or not you're dealing with um, a a crisis, whether or not you're dealing with, with cancer, it's, it's so easy to just avoid. And um, there's so many bright and shiny things in front of you. And for you to set these goals and provide your clients with tools is, is so important. And the fact that you can see it and you address it and you enforce it is a big deal. And it's not everybody so has somebody to do that for them. And the fact that you just, you're able to think of it and, and, and to apply it from your personal experiences and then move it forward. And almost like it's this ripple effect that you're providing for somebody else. And I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. I think that, you know, from my experience from starting so young and mm-hmm. not having the guidance to help me through it and, you know, make things much more of a priority. Being a teenager, I have a lot of regrets from my mother's cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to let people know, you know, your mother's not inferior, but you don't need to assume she's going to die, but know that, you know, you may have regrets about this time. And I will share, I will share with them the things that I regret and and, you know, chances I didn't take and time that I wish I had spent with my mother. And, and it's really important that they see, you know, a real person can have those regrets and that, you know, it, it's very eye-opening for them to maybe have a little bit more motivation to spend time with them because a lot of times it is avoiding. Sometimes, you know, it's hard. It's really, really hard to see someone that you love going through that to digress to, you know, my grandmother not telling any of us about her cancer. She also wouldn't go see my mother. She was dying. It was too hard for her. She, she wouldn't go say goodbye. And, and you're going to have to deal with various family dynamics like that through this, you know, they're, you're going to have uncles and aunts and everyone's going to want to say in how they're being treated. And, you know, everyone's going to want to say in, you know, if they pass away, what happens to the money and, there's a lot of family drama that comes along with these diagnoses. So it's really important that you know what your parent wants, how to stand your ground and how to navigate the family because coming from a big one, it can be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, you have a lot of moments in life that are going to define what you do. And, and the two of mine were, you know, holding my mother's hand as she passed away and telling her that I was going to be okay. I didn't know if I was going to be okay. I didn't even know what this meant. What was this going to feel like? But I had to be strong for her and tell her that she should let go. And that is one of the hardest things a daughter can have to do. And then to have to do it a few years later and hold your grandmother's hand and tell her it's going to be okay. You know, to be in your young 20s and have to tell somebody who's so much wiser than you those things, it's a very difficult situation, but they're probably two of the most defining moments in my life. And they have opened my eyes up to wanting to learn about my health, my wellness, my preventative health, Mm -hmm. and understanding that most women who are high risks aren't as proactive and it's Mm -hmm. important to share that message as often as possible that I always say cancer, you know, it's not something that should be muted. 
It's not something that we shouldn't talk about. It's something that everyone is going to have to deal with. You will know someone or you will have someone in your family or you will be someone. And there's no reason that we shouldn't openly talk about it. It shouldn't make people as uncomfortable as it does. And the end all be all of my story is to make people more comfortable talking about cancer because it it shouldn't be taboo. It's not. Mm, a thousand percent. That was, mm-hmm. It's perfectly put. It's, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, cancer's you're, cancer's not taboo. No. No, no. It shouldn't be. It's it's kind of like the how uh, mental health has has slowly gone away from being. Oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's come a long way. And now yeah. it's like yeah. ads through ads through every app. Like yeah. need a therapist? Text yeah. this number, and I'm that's like, cool. hell yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Let's do it. I think everybody should go to therapy. It's great. I um, agree. So um, you. You provide like this, like this really unique outlook and um, a sense of experience, and, and essentially having to grow up very, a lot more quickly and be more mature than most twenty-year-olds had mm-hmm. to. Um, so, investing in your own health and, and changing your habits, nutrition, self-care, um, body movement. How did? How did how did you go about changing that? So I see now that you you do yoga. I saw on your website that you're vegan and mm-hmm. obviously gluten free. Um, yeah. How did that uh, process, uh, I guess, get going for you? Like, did you change it all at once, or was it just a slow thing that you did no. through education? Okay. <laughs> it was all definitely right. yeah. not all at once. Um, okay. I was I was open to the fact that I needed to do something and I needed to live better. I grew up with a single mom and we were raised on fettuccine alfredo, grilled cheese, and Diet Coke. Delicious. <laughs> I love that. And <laughs> I'm not sure any of those things have any true nutritional value to them. <laughs> and so I knew that I needed to change, um, you know, my past and, you know, I needed to do better because obviously my mother got skin cancer and she um, had Thank breast cancer and then my grandmother. So somehow, you know, however they were raised I'd or however like they raised me Nicole was not, for sharing you know, it wasn't working for us. So we needed to switch I hope things up. The story Immediately, I started, you know, diving into things actually with my mother before she passed away when she decided she wanted to change her diet before getting her mastectomy. You know, she taught me. A lot of things that I didn't know. Or you can she taught me Instagram about drinking clean water, you know, and getting away from tap water. And so um, we had this guy um, who, who worked at this store called the Water Store, and he pretty much saw me grow up because we would go in every week to fill up our water, and he would just teach me a lot about water. And so ever since then, I I don't even remember the last time I didn't have a water guy wherever I lived. And so it may sound very like hippie and progressive, you know, don't drink the tap water, but don't. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, don't. (laughs) Seriously, don't. And so, you know, she, she got me, she opened my eyes to little by little things like that but not enough to go vegan or anything at that time. Um, You know, we were raised, um, I'm Hispanic, so we were raised on a lot of cheese and a lot of high-fat foods, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that to an extent, but I think it's really important to know how your body reacts to certain things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually 
get certified in nutrition until a few years ago. And it was all little by little leading up to that, finding out that I had celiac disease. Mm -hmm. That was a really defining moment. Um, And wondering, oh, you know, my mom had stomach problems her whole life. I wonder if she had it too. And I wonder if her, you know, inability to absorb nutrients, if she had it, um, contributed to her cancer. I I had a lot of questions about that. And they're things I'll never know the answer to, unfortunately. But it's something that I can find the answer to within my own body, you know. Um, I'm actually, I'm not. I'm not the typical age that someone would go and get a colonoscopy, but that is something I'm going to be doing very, very, very soon. And that's to find out, you know, how much damage has celiac done to my digestive tract? Am I able Mm. to absorb nutrients as well? So I do everything I possibly can to be proactive, but it's all been this journey. Mm. As soon as she passed away, I started a blog Mm. and I've, my background is, is in marketing and I've had some pretty demanding jobs where I've worked very really crazy hours for international companies. And so I've never had the time to focus solely on nutrition until probably about three years ago. And that's really when I decided, okay, I'm going to get certified in nutrition. I'm going to get certified in yoga for cancer recovery. I'm really going to dive as far as I can into this and make it my whole world. Versus, you know, 10 years leading up to that, I was extremely interested in it, but it was Mm -hmm. such minute little steps to lead me to where I am today to really realize these are the women I want to help and these are the women I want to work with. I was doing broad nutrition and, you know, just healthy eating before that. And now I'm really narrowing and niching down to, I need to talk to the women who were just like me and wishing they had all this advice and you know, we have the internet now and we can Google everything we want, but that's just another exhausting thing, yeah. you know? So it's really important to just have somebody in your corner. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Like you said, it's, it's kind of a long, a long time coming the process of being interested in it and, and to now where you are today and creating a wellness space. Um, yeah. How, how, did you create the the website like three years ago, like around the, the time you did more of the nutrition certification? I did. Or, I created, okay. I created a wellness space with this vision, you know, of helping these women. However, my long-term vision for a wellness space is to turn it into a nonprofit. And that's something I think, you know, all, everyone who's listening should know if you're a mother and you have a daughter who is struggling with your cancer diagnosis or you don't, you just don't know how she's doing because she's not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Send her my way. Um, every daughter that I work with, it's all completely free or donation based because when I think back at that time, you know, we came from a single, single parent home. We were not, you know, super financially fit by any means. And this is not something that if I was in that position, someone said, you know, you should pay for the service. I would not been able to do it. Mm-hmm. And it would have helped me so much through the next five years of my life. And so I really made it a point to say to everybody, you know, I am offering the service completely free to honor my younger self and my mother and my grandmother to help you have a better life through their, their diagnosis and their entire journey. And it is my goal with a wellness space to have a team of women who have been through something similar to myself 
and, you know, turned it into a nonprofit and continue to help these women who may be younger. I actually have worked with a few daughters who have a parent who's in their 70s and we still bonded just the same mm-hmm. as we would have had they been younger because mm-hmm. it's such a similar story, such a similar bond of having a parent with cancer. It doesn't matter what age you are. You're still no. always a daughter and you still always love your mother the same, mm-hmm. no matter what age. Yeah. So, you know, long-term vision is having this nonprofit where women can come and they can talk to somebody who's been in their shoes and help guide them. In addition to working with women who are high risk like myself and helping them gain access to preventative care and understand their risks. That's beautiful. Thank you're you. you're you're doing I'm not really religious, but it's like almost like you're doing the Lord's work. You're like an angel. <laughs> you're an angel. Oh my gosh. It's just taking your experience and, and paying it forward is is such a selfless thing to do. And what you're doing is just making a, a world of difference in so many, especially young women's lives. And I'm sure that's gotta be extremely fulfilling for you too, to be able to help somebody that, you know, like you've seen your younger self and other other women. To be able to it help is. them. Yeah. It's been really um, cathartic and healing because, yeah. you know, you think, oh, I wish I would have did this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, when, you, when you're your smarter self and, and yeah. your, your mind isn't dealing with the grief or, mm-hmm. or the heartache, you know, you think, oh, I wish I would have did this. But now I get to see so many other people do all the things I wish I would have done. And it's mm-hmm. so fulfilling and heartwarming. Yeah. To just hear them, you know, tell me about their experiences and thank me because they wouldn't have had that idea or they never would have thought of it because they're just not in the headspace. But to just give them a little bit of extra time with their loved one or a little bit of hope or sometimes I'm like, you know, let me just research that for you. You know, you're questioning about this thing and you're freaking out because you don't have the time. Like, let me just take that off your back. It could be totally out of my space, but I'll just take it out their back so they can like take a bubble bath or something. Yeah. Like have some freaking time for yourself. But yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Education's yeah. huge. And the fact that you're just willing to you know, be a sponge and soak it all in, I think is is a really great tool to have for yourself as well as, you know, your your clients that that you work with. Um it's you know, I always consider myself a, a, a constant learner, constant student. So, you know, Same. yeah, yeah. It's just like <laughs> if you can make your life better, other other people's lives better through doing a little bit more research, do it. Absolutely, yeah. don't bury your head in the sand. You're doing a great job. You, I think, I think you've broken the, broke the cycle for your family. You're <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, you know, I hope I won't be the next, the third generation to be diagnosed. But if I am, if it comes mm-hmm. to that, I will know I did everything in my power absolutely. to not be. And yeah. sometimes you just, you can't help the cards that you're dealt. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you said something earlier. I don't, I know it's not like fully transitioned perfectly, but you said something, um, <laughs> you do yoga for cancer healing or cancer? Cancer recovery. Recovery. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can can you talk a little bit more about that? I've never heard of it before. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, they get their, I'll use breast cancer, for example, since that's what I'm super familiar with. Yeah. You get out of surgery, you do your reconstructive surgery. Say you decide to have a double mastectomy. They take off both your breasts and usually you'll have to go through like an session for expanders and then you'll get your breast implants but say you're all healed and you wait your six weeks and they say okay you know you can start working out again a lot of times you jump into what you did before because you don't you know you go back to the place that makes you happy and 
you're like, okay, this is a new body. This is not my body anymore. What is going on? Things are feeling like they're going to snap and feeling not right. And if you go to a regular yoga class, a lot of people, you know, they're not going to, they're not asking everybody, hi, welcome to class. Who has cancer? Like, (laughs) (laughs) nobody's saying that. And, And most likely, depending on how timid or shy or comfortable you are with the teacher, you're not walking in and saying, hey, I just had a double vasectomy, just so you know. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that common. So yeah. um, I took a certification, I took a class to do a certification in um, yoga for those who are in recovery from cancer. And a lot of times that can mean, you know, up to two, two maybe years longer because the body takes a long time to heal. And sometimes your body's just not ever going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so we really dive into poses that, are workable for every body type mm-hmm. and poses that are not workable for like specifically breast cancer, stomach cancer. And we really know what to avoid and how to help, how to help people stretch and open up the scar tissue again, because, you know, sometimes the hardest thing can just be Savasana where you are laying on the floor you're not doing anything, but just having your chest open that far, if you've had mm-hmm. any sort of surgery, even not like a massive surgery, even like a biopsy, you can feel mm-hmm. very, very vulnerable and very uncomfortable with just having your chest open. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we may work with having your arms on your chest, having a blanket around you, a pillow, things that just help get you more comfortable in your new body and understanding mm-hmm. how to work out with your new body because it takes time. Yeah. And also it's just a really, really nice place to have people to talk to in your community who have been through what you've been through. That's, that's awesome. Like, like I said, I had never heard of that. Do you, do you do, um, I guess maybe before COVID or even now, do you do classes? <laughs> do you have like a group? All that, online. All online. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's really cool. And that's, it's, it really identifies for a special population. It's just not a, like a recipe, one size fits all mold going yeah. to like a power yoga class, which, you know, like destroys me anyway, but it's, it's exactly. Very but if you loved that before, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. Like, oh, I can't do that. Holy crap. Yeah. So I think, Oh, that's really cool. Um, I, I don't even know what time it is. Wow. It's been about an hour. Already. Yeah, it's been about an hour. Yeah. Well, so uh, it's kind of like the, the, the wrap up point. Is there, Anything else you'd like to add? Any um, any bullet points that you didn't hit or any extra advice uh, that you'd like to share with the listeners out there? And also, how can we find you? Yeah, I just think it's really important um, that every single person on this planet deserves to feel, you know, physically and mentally well, no matter what. And we need to stop as a society thinking, you know, oh, this has been hurting for this long and that's just the way that it is. Or I've always been this anxious or I've always been X, Y, and Z. So that's how it's always going to be. Most Mm -hmm. of the time there is an answer for why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And there's something that you, you know, can go talk to a preventative healthcare worker about, you can talk to a health coach about, Mm -hmm. and there's a way to combat however you're feeling nine out of 10 times. And I think it's important that just we as a society learn to put ourselves first and 
and really do everything that we can to not sweep things under the rug. That was, you know, a lot of things that we talked about throughout this, this conversation. Stop thinking, sweeping things under the rug. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've just seen it and seen it and seen it, what it can do when you sweep things under the rug and Mm -hmm. just don't, you know, I've, I've had people reach out to me who, you know, they think they found something, but they're just terrified to go. And I'm like, all right, let's, you know, let's all face, FaceTime me while you walk in and and we'll stay together. You can even put me on mute. I don't care. Like, (laughs) just know that I'm there with you so that you don't feel like you're alone. And I'll go through all, all the preventative health measures that that I have had to do just Mm -hmm. up until 33 and, Mm -hmm. and just help you get through that fear uh, of doing it. I'll tell you right now, I'm not happy that I have to go do a colonoscopy at 33. No, it does not sound amazing. Nope. It does not sound like birds and butterflies. Like <laughs> I do not want to do it at all, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, the right things to do is are the hardest things to do. And I think that's really solid advice. If you, if you think that you are happier sweeping things under the rug, you you're thinking about that thing every time you sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. And if you just went and got that thing checked out and had some guidance on how to either you know, get rid of it or eat better to fix it or whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. you're not going to have to have that stress of sweeping it under the rug anymore. It's just not going to be there. Yeah. So why not make your life better? Absolutely. A thousand percent. That's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Great advice. Solid advice. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to add? That was, that was solid advice, but um, how can we find you? So yeah. we found each other on Instagram. So yeah. you're on Instagram and then you also have this fantastic website. I had a chance to take a look at it and learn more about yeah. it. Yeah. You can reach my website at a wellnessspace.co and then same thing on all social pl- platforms at a wellness space. I'm on all of them, but honestly, I probably use Instagram the most right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a Facebook group called the Strong Daughters Collective. And you can search for that on Facebook or find the link in my Instagram bio. And it's just a group of daughters who have a parent with cancer diagnosis. And we talk about all different kinds of things in there. And it's a nice place to find community and have people who've been through what you're going through just talk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here again. Like you, you're just this wealth of knowledge and old soul for being only 33 years old. <laughs> I, I, I love that um, we're able to to chat and you to share your story as well as uh, the evolution of um, how you got to a wellness space and where you are today. Um, the, the fact that you're a, such a great resource and you're providing these tools for other individuals is is just so amazing. The, the fact that there is this available now and in this world. So thank you for what you're doing. You're you're just going to, you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I hope if anything, um, if you have a daughter who's struggling, send her my way. If you yourself are listening to this to understand more about your parents' diagnosis, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm a nice person. I swear (laughs) I will respond and, you know, we'll help get you through this unique journey that you're on. Wow. Whitney, thank you so much for being on my Cancer Story podcast this week, learning about your story and learning a little bit more about the evolution from a young woman into where you are now with a wellness space. Remember everyone, you can find Whitney online at awellnessspace.co 
or you can find her anywhere on social media at a wellness space. Like she said, she's mostly on so on Instagram, but she also has Facebook as well. So guys, I've been getting so much love and so many people reaching out to me wanting to share their cancer stories with my Cancer Story podcast. So I am so excited to announce that I now will be doing an episode every single Monday for the rest of the year. I know, right? Crazy. So please stay tuned next week for a brand new cancer story. And then also remember to like, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you do have Apple Podcasts, if you could give me a, I think it's five-star review, and um, like that and subscribe to it so other people can find me and listen to my cancer story podcast. Once again, thank you for joining me today. Enjoy the rest of your week.